and welcome to Room Escape Divas. Today we are talking with Yolanda Chu about Asian escape rooms. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome. Hello, Yolanda. Thank you so much for joining us today. I was really excited because Manda was really talking up your seminar at Up the Game. Anyway, maybe we should give more information about who you are. So if you'd like to uh, give an introduction for yourself, that'd be great. By the way, I'm Manda. Oh, I guess we should introduce ourselves. (laughs) Darn it. And my name is Errol. And I'm Ruby. And I'm tired, Mike. <laughs> and we are the Room Escape Divas, and we talk about everything escape rooms, and Yay. I always mess up the intro. It's okay, you just get excited about guests. I know, I wanted to talk to Yolanda, and, and the great thing is, is that we, there's a 12-hour difference between Yolanda and us, so it's, mm-hmm. it is now 10 in the morning, so Mike's really tired, because they mm-hmm. had to drive over to our house <laughs> from their house, and it's like Sunday morning now when we're recording, and... And I think man pants. How are you? Did you just just roll out of bed, man pants? Pretty much. I showered. Br- I showered. Oh yeah, you're clean. I, just, I didn't wash my hair though. So, oh okay. You know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We'll get back. So now if you, you could give it, you can give an intro of yourself. That'd be awesome, there, Yolanda. Uh, I'm Yolanda, and I'm from Taiwan. And I was an escape room owner, but now I'm not. And so I do escape room like from. 2012 to 2017 and I now uh, works as a project manager in the internet industry but I still have passion in in the escape room so I started a site called Asia Escape Game last year. Since then I reached out to many owners and enthusiasts across Asia mainly from Japan, China and Southeast Asia. So I wish to facilitate more connection between the Asia industry. One of my mission is also to connect the Eastern and Western industry. So that's why I came to Up the Game for two years and met many people such as Amanda. So that's why I'm here today. Yeah. (laughs) So that's cool. I didn't actually know that you used to be an escape room owner as well. How long did you run your escape room for? I run escape room like for five years. Oh, wow. Five years? Oh, what, what, when did you first start? Did you say in 2012? That's when you started? Yeah, very early. Oh, that's pretty cool. And this, I take it this was in Taiwan. I don't know. Uh, you guys went to Taiwan, didn't you? Yeah, but we didn't get a chance to try out Yolanda's oh. rooms. I, I don't, I don't know if she was still running yeah, it at that time. she might not have been running she it at that time. She reached out to us when we were on our way back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw the Facebook post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I just messaged uh, the Facebook of Escape Room Divas, and they said they are just leave Taiwan, so we don't have chance to meet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think, I think I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And then you stopped, but you were still in interested in the whole industry. And so that that's pretty cool. And so you're now trying to, I guess, meet... I'm sorry, Yolanda. I know Man Pan sent you a whole whack yeah. of questions. I, yeah. <laughs> at them while he ignores them. <laughs> no, I'm ignoring them because I have all these other kind of questions that I want to ask. I'm going to ask first about the community of escape enthusiasts in Asia. I don't know if that was one of the questions you were asked, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you get a chance to talk to a lot of them? Is it large? Is there like a group of them that they all congregate together like our Slack chat here in North America or or what? Oh, of, of course not. <laughs> uh, 
uh, Asian Asian community is a little bit closed because Asian people don't like to like chat <laughs> <laughs> very often with different countries. Uh, uh, I mean the players from different country because I don't think they know what to chat for. <laughs> and I try to open a Facebook Facebook group. Uh, I think this year, like February. And it's called the Asia Escape Room Enthusiast. And no one wants to post in the group. Aww. <laughs> yeah. And um, we have some like uh, Slack community. Uh, we don't have Slack community because Asians don't use Slack mu- that much like, like the North American people. But we have some chat group in our own messenger platform. And But the, the chat in there is not very often. And most of the time we just like want to um, ask people if they want to join the group or join uh, join some games and besides that we like seldom chat about other things <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get a chance i don't know maybe to talk about design or maybe rant about rooms we like to rant about rooms we don't like but i complain or yeah. complain <laughs> <laughs> But everybody, don't you have like an extrovert over there? I guess you, that might be you, right, Yolanda? You're the one that's trying to get everybody together. Yeah, I try to, but um, it's kind of hard. I think it's about it's about culture, but I still like trying. <laughs> and I think the main, the other reason is about the language because Asian language is so different, and not many Asian people is, uh, especially like Japanese. They don't use to like use English to chat, and for Chinese, they. Uh, um, I'm from Taiwan, so I mean the enthusiasts in China. <laughs> they they use WeChat and they use their own community. So if if we want to build enthusiast community in Asia country, we need. Uh, it's hard to find a, a universal platform for us. So it's kind of hard. So the, the way I use now is I establish the platform in Facebook, so that, but it won't have Chinese people. So I have to like have a join their WeChat group and share some something I saw on the Facebook or on the Stack community with them. It's just like I'm the bridge to introduce something for, for the Chinese people. Yeah, it's kind of hard. So what about getting more local so you're in taiwan are there a lot of at least taiwanese people that you interact with in the escape room community yeah in uh, yeah in taiwan we have uh, some chat room about enthusiastic and owners but it's separate we don't chat together (laughs) so are we like a weird kind of uh i know i don't know how many people think it's so weird that all of us try to get together and and talk well you know if we're talking about owners though even like in toronto if i had to talk about like the asian escape room owners i i would find that they wouldn't really get together and talk about designs or talk about rooms or go and play together Mm. it may just be maybe an asian thing i don't want to generalize (laughs) i don't want to generalize creating stereotypes (laughs) But th- I've noticed that kind of in Toronto as well. And then <laughs> half of those Asian owners stop running a business as well. After a so, while, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we can get to your questions, Mad Pants. Okay. Sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll get to the ones that were prepared. Yay! Yay! 
So one of the questions I did have was, you know, you were at Up the Game and that, but uh, where, so where in your escape room travels have you gone? Uh, I have gone to China and the city have, uh, what I have gone to in China is Shanghai and Beijing. And for the Eastern country, I have gone to Netherlands, of course, because of Up the Game. And I have gone to San Francisco too. And I have gone to Vietnam last year and play uh, one one escape room there. Did not. So, uh, sorry, did you say Japan as well? I don't think you did, but, but. No, I didn't say Japan. And I can't, I can't, I can't recognize, I can't speak or read Japanese. So I can't play games in Japanese. No, it's true. When I was in Japan, I didn't even bother trying to try any of the rooms in Japan. And that was when we were in Taiwan, we were worried because, okay, are there going to be a lot of rooms just with Chinese? So one of our questions to the enthusiast group was, okay, are there rooms here where it doesn't require language or that have English? And that the funny thing with Taiwan and maybe Yolanda can speak a little more about this is that uh, there are so if they have their websites in English, we were able to book and the games were probably going to have some English in them. So we did Lost, uh, Lost I think it's like Taiwan. Taipei. Lost or, or Maybe, lost yeah. Taiwan, and yeah. in in that room there was very limited English, but it was more of a language less room in that case. And uh, if you have, if you can play in, uh, game in English in like Taipei, uh, the game is translated to English, so it's not designed in English. So some puzzle or some narrative will be a little yes. weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> And so you've been all over. Uh, what are some of the trends you see in Asian escape rooms or that you've seen reported about Asian escape rooms? Uh, since I didn't actually go, go to Japan to play, but I asked a lot of, of their trains in, from some owners and some friends that have gone to Japan to play. And the main difference between Japan and other trends in Asians is that the Japan's room is mostly puzzle-driven and is designed to like play with pen and paper. So that's the trend lead by a company called Scrap. And I think you guys know the Scrap company, right? Yes. <laughs> Errol loves them. Uh, I think they have some games in Canada or America. Yep, so we have Scrap in Toronto, and I know they are also in California. Okay. So did they be, did they do well in Toronto? Uh, they're actually, popular. they're popular. Well, I think they're in the process of closing down a bit, or they seem to be. The company that runs the scrap game is popular, but I think yes. the their games that they run on their own are more popular now than the scrap games. However, the scrap games were one of the first ones to be here, and. A lot of they the great thing the thing I liked about scrap games they always have very unique mechanics and so it is something that I would always suggest someone to play because like oh this is really unique and you might not actually ever find it anywhere else and they're also the only ones that do large scale escape events like like Escape from the Bank and the Zelda one and the Attack on Titan one although that one wasn't here actually Scrap is the first company that do escape game in Asia. So like uh, Taiwan or Singapore or China, we start the market by scrap company. So the first game I play is 
play the games of Scrap Company in Taiwan. And so at that time, they uh, they start the game by just using pen and paper. And the players just gather around the table and have crew packs. They just look hints on the wall. And they just try to link all the paper and pen puzzle together and reach the final answer. So they don't have a real room. Was that, was that, uh, did you have a lot of players playing at the same time, like one of their large scale events? The, the, the large scale event. And uh, that's the main game trend in, uh, of Scrap. And they bring the trend to like all the Japanese company mostly do event based games. And they bring the trend to Taiwan, but Taiwan players don't like paper and pen puzzles. So they just like leave in 2015. And most of the game trend in Taiwan and China is mostly the escape room type. It's not paper and pen event. And so for the trends in Asia, escape, the very special one is for the Japan trends. And Scrap Company have these the paper and pen trends for like 10 years. And I think it's very impressive because uh, that is mainly because the Japanese really like to solve, solve puzzles. And the puzzles itself is the main design of the games. So they didn't care about the like narrative or the uh, electronic props or something. So the trends in Japan is very special. And it's still like that now, would you say? Yeah. Oh. The one thing that I like that Scrap does in Asia that they don't do here, which I kind of wish they did, is they also bring in like things like anime properties. They do. Like they have Attack a- and Titan, and they did like a One Piece one at one point, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, One Piece. Mike and I are actually One Piece fans. So, so that, would, that reminds you that they'd probably destroy it. <laughs> Yeah, we probably would have hated we it. We was just like, oh, how long can Luffy's arm stretch? And it's like, yeah, we got to do math now. <laughs> I think you were showing me, Yolanda, or during your talk, you were giving an example of uh, Japanese puzzles and how, um, and how language dependent they are. And because the Japanese language works a particular way, how hard it is to try and translate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have an example for a puzzle. Uh, what I show in the up the game, it's from a detective cartoon called the Conan. Did, did you know that? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I was the only one that raised my hand when you asked who oh, <laughs> watched for it. The anime fan, man, fans. Is anime huge at all in the in the you in? The, uh, I don't think so because nobody else raised their hand <laughs> in that room. Wow, how many people? There must have been a lot of people there. There was. There was like 100 oh. people in that room. And <laughs> just, just like you said, uh, Scrap like to combine their game with animation. And so they will use some character in the animation to do the puzzles, but not very related to the narrative of the animations. So, so uh, what I do, uh, I... I like share the example of the Japanese language in my uh, sharing in upload game is that Japanese language they have different pronunciation and different uh, different way to show the same word. <laughs> I don't know if you can understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So that's the reason they can do very cool word puzzles, but it can't be understand uh, or it can't 
be designed in English. And that's the main reason they really like the paper and pen puzzle because they just like use the different of the language. So, uh, but it actually can't do the same way in Chinese. So when the Japanese scrap game come to Taiwan and China, they use the same way in Chinese. And I don't think they can do very well in English. So I think that's why they, uh, when they go to like Toronto or California, some games is not very fun. <laughs> they probably have to change a lot of puzzles. This is true because, because yeah, no, yeah, we only have English. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were saying that the, uh, like, meanwhile, over in countries like China, they go the complete opposite route. They go very theatrical and very big budget electronic rooms. Yeah. And they also like to like put actor in the in their rooms and games. And last year I went to Beijing and they have a game called The Final Stage. And uh, the game I have shared in Abla Game 2. It's a game about assassinating Hitler and it's quite uh, offensive to the European but it's not so in the China, so they just uh, like decorate the exactly um, scene, a very immersive scene in their rooms, and they put like three to five actors to act like the army in the Germany, and we also is the actor uh, is the Germany army too. So we are the spy, and we have, we have to assassinate the Hitler. So they add many like automatic tech and actors in the rooms. So the players need to like put a bomb and under the table of the Hitler's office. And when they do so, the Hitler is uh, like acting with them. So they have to like, very, very, very nervous to put the, the bomb when he's like turn around and very quickly to put the bomb under his table. So it's very like nervous. When we when when they add the actor and the very immersive scene in the games, and I think it's a very like mm, immersive experience when we uh, I go to China's game. It's uh, totally the opposite way uh, from the Japanese style. How many players are playing at that time? Uh, like eight to ten players. You could have all just taken Hitler on your own, really. There were ten of you. <laughs> <laughs> He has soldier guards, I'm sure. <laughs> so would you say that most of the rooms in China also have like eight to ten people? And is it public or are they private games? I'm assuming it's public. Public uh, public ticketing system where strangers will come in and play with you. Yeah, most of the Asian ticket system is public ticket. Uh, if you are concerned about the... And playing with strangers, the game master will suggest you just buy all of the tickets um, so you can play by your own team. What's the cost like there in, in China? Actually, you play games in, in, in Europe, so maybe you have a better idea of, of comparison, how much games in China cost in comparison to the games that you played in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean the ticket price? Yeah, sorry, the ticket price. If in China, it's different for uh, different city because China is so big. 
But for Beijing and Shanghai, the ticket price is nearly the same as the Europe. You know, you've played games in Europe and in and in Asia now. Um, what what do you think? What trends of the Asian industry do you think that、uh, the Western world can learn from, if at all? You don't have to answer that either. Such a hard question. I know. It's one you it's, yeah like like. From my point of view,、uh, many people ask me about the difference between Eastern game and the Western game. I think、uh, from some game aspect, the game design I think is mostly like are the same.、Uh, for example, we all hate red hearings and we like high tech, but hate using tech just for the tech. And some so some game design aspect of, for Eastern country and Western country. We all care about the same things, and we did、um, something really well、uh, for like same aspect. So I think the main difference between Asian industry and Western industry is that the market in different country is very different in in Asia. So we can learn from other countries. For example, I have mentioned in our game, the big brands didn't blend in in Asian countries because. The market in Asia is very different, so standardized games can survive. The I think the main thing we can learn from Asian industry is that we have to know our market. For example, the Japanese customer really love puzzles, so the scrap company gives them puzzles, and they keep doing different events to leverage the profit from. Uh, one event, and they do a lot of event in a year. They don't choose just do one rooms. And if、uh, like for Vietnam market,、uh, they are not that mature. So like, you don't have to do very immersive games. You you do have to learn how to、uh, use low cost props and to make fun games so that you can survive. So I think the main things we can learn about the Asian games industry is that you have to know your market and how to do your game to make profit, and that's the first thing I think. It's because the、uh, the market in Asia country is very different. One of the things I found really interesting about your talk was that you brought up that China has. Uh, it's because the market's become mature enough that they actually have a building code for escape rooms now, which was really interesting to me because it's something in North America that we're struggling with when owners are building their rooms and they have to figure out how the city is going to zone them and that kind of thing. Actually, for China and Taiwan, we are. Both、uh, because we have two different government, right? <laughs> okay, so in China、uh, and Taiwan, we did the same thing. Is that if you want to persuade government to establish a business classification or code for the this new industry, you have to like form an official association to communicate with the government. And which I think is kind of hard <laughs> to,、yes. in like North America because、uh, America is too big, and like Taiwan, we can form the association by contacting few owners, and we can do that. Wow! For China, I think they can they can form this big scale of the association is because they have to find one key man, and he can dedicate times on it. 
because most of the owners in the industry aren't doing the business for like really make money or profit and the owners are not businessmen so they can't like really deal with these things they want to really devote their time in designing games so most of them won't devote many times on dealing with these codes with the government so what china do is that the their association chairman is an enthusiast that doing the escape game community for like five years so he's very like enthusiastic about these things and he's not an owner so he have time devoted into like building an association and communicate with the government and i think that's the main reason they can do the this association and communicate with the government to establish a regulation wow so i have i have a question speaking of enthusiasts if we go back, because you started way back in 2012, long time ago. I think for us, it wasn't really to, until 2013, 2014. And in 2014, escape rooms exploded here in, in Canada. So back in 2012, what was the scene like for you in Taiwan? Um, the, the first two years of the, just like you said, about 2014 and 15, the trend exploded. So the first two years in Taiwan market, it's about like only have two to three companies. And so we made a huge profit. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, many companies just entered the market and there are like good companies and not that good. But as the first two or three companies still survive in the market from now. So... Uh, back then, they are very easy to sell your games and easy to like uh, reach the new customer because everyone is hearing about this trend and want to try it. But now in the Taiwan market, it's too many companies. It's like like 40 to 50 companies mm -hmm. in the whole Taiwan. So for customers, for players, they might not know which game to choose. So... They might choose to like uh, not that okay games, and so they might think it's not very fun to play play escape room, and they just don't want to try it anymore. Yeah, that's the same problem we have here in in Toronto. Yeah. Now it took two years, and for us, the explosion happened really quickly because the first one was around 2013, and not even in Toronto, and then it exploded after that really quickly but for you in taiwan it seemed to take two years before all of a sudden all the companies came what do you think the catalyst was why do you think it took two years before all of a sudden the the market exploded with escape rooms if we talk about the explosion of the this kind of games i think the first year in taiwan 2012 the scrap games bring their games in taiwan at that time the games did bring a huge trend. So many of the Taiwanese heard about these games at 2012, and many of them have tried them, tried the scrap games. So actually the explosion of this kind of game is actually happening in 2012. But not many companies come in is because uh, most of the players, uh, they, after they play the scrap games, they don't like it. <laughs> oh, wow. Shots fired. Because it's not a safe room. 
and uh, what they do and uh, what they write in their like campaign marketing campaign they write escape rooms so most of the players is like want to play in a room so after they play the games from scrap and uh, most of them they just think oh I, I have tried it before and some of the players like me think oh I can build better games so I just came in the market and build our games and after the first two to three companies build their games like uh, for my company I built uh, three games in two years so after m more and more players play the room tight in Taiwan so they know it I, I think it's very interesting and they, they they are interested to open more company like us so that's why they took like two to three years to explode. So here in Toronto, and more so I think in the States, there is a large puzzle community. Actually, I don't know how large their puzzle community is here, but we do have something called Puzzled Pint here. And for us, that's one of the reasons why the scrap large-scale events wasn't that interesting was because we all because we have Puzzled Pint, which is everybody gathers at a restaurant and then solves puzzles for two hours for free. And then of course Scrap came along and says, well, we'll put the puzzles on the wall and you can pay us all this money for an hour. And it wasn't as engaging. Do you have any type of puzzle community or anything like that there in Taiwan or if you're familiar anywhere in Asia like that? No, 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 I, we don't have that kind of things. We do, we do have the, the market of poor games. But we don't have puzzle puzzle games like you you mentioned. I know that another thing that you showed in Japan, where the market I guess is one of the most mature ones, is that I think Scrap has opened up the escape room mall essentially. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like a whole building for escape rooms. Yeah, it's called. Uh, it's in Tokyo, and it's open like December twenty uh, December last year. And it's called Tokyo Mystery Circus. And I think it's very interesting trend for them to do this kind of things. I think it's because they think the their puzzle game can't reach the public. And some some players will find it very boring. So they finally decide to open a mall and have an interesting game that have zero puzzle in it. Wow. Yeah, so there's like different types of escapes in there that you can sign up for. Like, like a maid escape? What? Like a maid escape. <laughs> you escape from the maids or you escape into the maids? You know, like maid cafe. I like know, that. no. <laughs> they, they, they have a game called Stealing Game. You have to steal something, but just merely you have to pass all the agent, secret agent, and to steal uh, like jewelry or something, but you don't have puzzle in it right so they have like more task based rooms yeah, yeah yeah which is interesting too because it looks like the trend for escape rooms is to make them easier for the general public to do and if it, if in japan where everybody loves puzzles where they're quite happy to do paper and pencil puzzles around a table for years and now they're going towards let's just make it tasks so more people won't find it boring do you see that as a trend in Asia, especially since it's six years old for all of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they have, as you mentioned, that they like to combine the narrative with animation 
it's because it's also because they want to reach more public players. Like if we have like One Piece, never um, One Piece thing, and some of the fans of One Piece will want to try, even though it's very many puzzles and they might find it hard. But uh, as soon as it just launch, many fans just want to try. Yes, same thing happened here with Zelda when they did when Scrap did the Zelda Escape event. A lot of people just wanted to go to the Zelda escape event, even if they weren't really interested in escape rooms. Yeah, a lot of my friends messaged me just saying, "Oh, I should, we should. You like escape rooms, right? There's a Zelda one now, and 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 they were just going because of Zelda. Licensing works, <laughs> <laughs> but at least those licenses are legal, more than likely from Scrap. I don't know. Think. You know, a bad One Piece thing would still be Gomu Gomu lame. <laughs> no, but at least it's you know they probably got the license. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. yeah and not like a Harry Potter. No, room. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, I think many Japanese animation company want to do the game too, so they might reach out to Scrap to do their games. So where do you see trends in Asia going? Has it? A lot of people here are scared that escape rooms are just a fad and eventually will die out. Uh, I don't know what it's like in Asia, though. Where where do you see it going? Do you think it's as popular as it was, or do you even think that the popularity is still growing? I think the popularity is still going and might uh, continue like three to four years <laughs> for the midterm because... Uh, at least for Japan, it has gone to ten years. So I think for the uh, for other countries, they they start uh, like four, five years ago, so they might have five years to go. But many owners is asking about the future of the industry. And besides Japan, the other country is heading from uh, heading to the trends that is beginning more uh, immersive. Just like the China China scam doing, and but I think some country its uh, market is not that very uh, good now, and especially for the Southeast Asia, they can't their market is not growing, and many companies just shut down in this recently. So I think it it depends on the country's market. That's interesting to hear. Poor Southeast Asia. They're not getting any <laughs> escape rooms. Yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of related to the cost of living of the country. And because I know I know the I, I knew the owners from Vietnam and he told me that the market there two years ago escape on uh, opened a, a room a, a store in Vietnam and they just shut down like in two years. And it's because they can make a lot of money for in, in the market. And many players just want to play very easy game. So it really depends on the market. If you want to like open rooms in Vietnam or even Malaysia, the market is not very prosper there. And many players won't, will not turn into enthusiasts after they play one or two games. So it depends on the cost of living and the price they're willing to pay in their entertainment. So where do you think 
most of the enthusiasts lie in, amongst Asians, uh, amongst Asia. So, <laughs> but like, are, do you find there are more of them in Japan, or do you think more of them are in China? Uh, like, there, uh, China's got the numbers. I know. <laughs> So it's like, Japan's got 5 million? Okay, we got 6 million. Japan's just a small island. But I don't know. Maybe more along the lines that maybe because Japan is older in regards to the industry, there there might be a lot of them. But I don't know, you know? I know for China, their escape room is kind of like a fad. Because um, uh, I have shared the China Baidu trend in other game. It's the it's kind of like Google Trend. It can it had a number to show that how many Chinese people search for escape room on the Baidu, and the the chairman of the China Association he shared the number for me, and it can it shows that the trend is a little bit dropped down last year, and it's because. They have new trend in China, and the the trend is the immersive theater. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting because immersive theater is like kind of like old uh, older trend in eastern uh, in Western country, but it's very new in the Eastern country. That's cool. Right, I think you were showing one that uh, where people, I think they were going to an island or something to. It was like a historical immersive theater thing in China. I couldn't remember it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, like, two-day game. <laughs> and, and people have to pay for the flight and the accommodation and the game tickets. And it's two days long. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, two days long. Because uh, they are really into immersive theater these, uh, these two years. So they just combine the puzzle, the puzzle game and immersive theater and role play. I, and yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think game. we gotta stop this before Errol gets some crazy ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and then I ship them out idea. to an island. Yeah, well, no, no, I know. I think we've all had. I mean, that's yeah, we all want. Yeah, we want to do a, do a full... two-day-long escape event with like a hundred actors on an island you can't escape. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to escape. <laughs> One thing that I've noticed that is really interesting on Twitter is that I think I even asked you about this on Facebook is that in we we do see escape rooms a little bit in media whether it be TV shows but it seems that escape rooms are more prevalent in the media in Asia especially Korea it seems like every K-pop group tries to do an escape room really oh really yeah, I <laughs> don't know do I just keep, I keep seeing tweets about all these K-pop groups doing escape rooms and all their fans are going wild in about it. In Korea or here? South Korea. In South Korea. Not here. Not okay. here at all. We don't. Okay. I don't know about any K-pop fans, K-pop people here. But no, You they, follow like... K-pop groups on Twitter? No, yeah. I don't. I actually, I on <laughs> You're Twitter. You're really into your K-dramas now. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing I, Soju. No, no, yeah, I know. You're following K-pop I, no, no, groups. No, 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 no. So what I do on Twitter is that I look, I search for escape room, just that term, and room escapes. Ah, okay. And I follow anybody that tweets about escape rooms because I just want to see what on Twitter, which is not a global trend, but I can see on Twitter what people are talking about about escape rooms. So you currently you're a fan of BTS. Yeah, I'm actually did BTS do one? I think they did. The, the fact that you know what BTS is. I don't know what BTS is. huge. Uh, well, everybody's considering that you're, you're puzzle man. 
Hang on. What's BTS? Yeah, they're a K-pop group. Yeah, they're very... the big they're big, the yes. K-pop group right yeah. now. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, so getting back to my original question, I, I, it seems, or maybe it's just in South Korea, that in media, escape rooms or anything of that sort is really large. I know that they also have Busted, which is very yes, which is which you can see on Netflix and is very escape room like as well. Busted was kind of a spring off Running Man, yes. done by the same producers. Which Running Man's been running for like seven eight years now and if people don't know what that is it's like a game show of celebrities all trying to do these fun camp games (laughs) but then there are episodes that are themed just like busted which what busted is kind of based on which is a greater narrative to that and they're solving puzzles and solving mysteries as they go through it but it's still like a game show where all the reactions and everything is yeah, real. Yeah, and things are supposed not to be scripted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, getting back to the original Poor Yolanda. Question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we keep talking. Uh, do you see a lot of that also in the media there in Asia? Is it really just depending on the market and the country? The TV show about escape room is very popular in China, Japan, and Korea. Uh, there was one in Taiwan, but not very... Um, popular because the TV show is not designed very well, <laughs> but in China, really worse. <laughs> but for China, they they have a escape room TV show, and they also have a immersive immersive game uh, like murder mystery. Oh. They have murder murder mystery TV show, so that's why they have. Uh, uh, and the TV show is like uh, start at two thousand sixteen. So they bring the murder mystery trend in China at 2017, and that's why the escape room trend dropped a little down at that year. So the TV show is actually quite influential for the players. Harold's thinking. Yeah, no, no, no. I, uh, I've, 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 I had all these questions, and I think I've asked, asked almost all of my yeah. questions, and I. Are you, are you slightly hungover from all your soju drinking? No, I haven't drank any. Drunk, 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 drunk. Wow. I don't know. Or it was either late night BTS watching. No, no, we were watching K dramas last night. Yeah. That's what we were watching. So, watch- Yolanda, um, what are some of your. You've, you've played all sorts of types, and I always like asking Kessis, what are your favorite types of escape rooms to play? I really like uh, combining actor and immersive theater elements in the games. Uh, so my favorite games is I play in China and the game, uh, the catacombs I play in Oh, that one was great. Did you get scared? <laughs> yeah, I'm very scared. And I play with the escape room box owners. Oh, the... uh, Julian and Ariel? Yeah, yeah, I play with them. <laughs> and they're really great. <laughs> Wait, I thought you played with them for Catacombs. Yeah. No, no, I played with Sarah and oh, Shannon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Catacombs is really great. And it, it reminds me the game I play in China because they are both very immersive and they have actor in it and it's really uh, well designed. So I really like the game have well narrative and combining uh, high tech to the puzzles and uh, the all the games are w- very well designed to present the narrative itself. I don't know if that's gonna hit it off here in North America. No. Well, I don't know. Well, I think because when you have narrative and actors and well designed, all of that takes a lot of time and effort and money. Yes. 
And in North America, not that they they you don't have enthusiasts that are doing that, but even now I see some people one wanting to like, okay, I want to get an escape room set up and and how much should I invest? How much is will the return on investment be and and all these all these concerns about how much money you can make from it. But that that's like a typical business person. No, that thought, is a typical right? business person. But you you won't make as much money if you have a lot of actors because you have to still pay them, right? Well, unless you can source them cheaply. Oh, I have this cheaply. pool of people who just want to have credentials or something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's you still have to pay them every night. People are still complaining about paying for game masters. Hmm. <laughs> Let alone, like, you think we can have one game masters to three games? No. Yeah, the thing with actors, like, when you're looking for, when you have young actors who are just looking for experience, those are usually short gigs, mm -hmm. right? So if you're, if you're an actor and you're like, I'm gonna be in this community play and it's gonna be a three week run, and I'm doing it in a part time in my off time, that doesn't. It's it's a short gig, and the idea is that you build up enough that you'll eventually get paid. Uh, but when you have a long go ongoing gig like that, if it's going on for two years and that's your time, you're gonna want to get paid for that time. Owners, for more information how to take advantage of these short term gigs and free actors, contact Manpans or at Escape Divas. You become at an actor, make lots of actor friends, and then call in all your favors when you run events. Not that I know of anything about that. So and another thing too is that it's seems to make more sense to put more money and investment into the technology mm -hmm. because then you can run the game without people and then you don't have to deal with people. So, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem that going towards the immersive narrative is going to be a focus of North America. I hope not. We're seeing instances of it. Oh, no, now. I'm not saying it's yeah. never going to happen because <laughs> we run them, but we, we're also not a business. And that's another question that I have. It's good that we don't run a business. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think yeah. we could run a business because then we'd make no money. <laughs> <laughs> and always be tired. So, Yolanda, I mean, you used to run an escape room and then you've stopped after five years. Do you still have the urge to create more events like an immersive escape event with actors and narrative and challenges and puzzles um i agree with your opinions that the, this kind of game is hard to make profit because it yield a lot manpower in the cost and i think it didn't work at the most of the country in asia too so if for me i won't want to do this kind of game in taiwan at least taiwan because people won't pay a very high price for this kind of entertainment. Yeah, but I think in Beijing it works because um, in Beijing there are very there are many rich people <laughs> will pay. For. Ah. Yeah, when when I went to Beijing last year, uh, we played a game at 11 p.m. It's very late at night, and there are so uh, there are many still many players play the games in the in the store and we can see many many cars in the parking lot and we we can we can tell from the cars they are very rich people. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why they can do this sort of uh, this kind of game in Beijing because they have the players willing to play a very high price to pay play this kind of entertainment interesting i don't think we have in our Asian neighborhoods here in Toronto. I don't think that the rich ones are willing to play those types of games here, but I could be wrong. 
Although Mike. I do know that for our events, we, mm. you know, Mike would say, no, they won't come. <laughs> I think it's also location dependent, right? Oh, it's probably location dependent too. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, go- we're going in the boonies yes. to run a train thing. <laughs> if we had run it right in, in Markham, where probably a lot of the rich people are, yeah. they probably would have been like, okay, yeah, sure. As long as there's a lot of tech. and for them to do to see an immersive experience they they'll probably want something very grandiose something very pretty and polished yeah so for them to sit on a train they they will probably think that that's i don't know a little too common (laughs) we need more flash that's that's yeah it'd have to be a flashy train yeah Yeah. like with like crushed red velvet chairs (laughs) (laughs) but then we could probably charge a thousand dollars a ticket Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's not that so we can make money. Then we could just pour it all into the the event. That'd be amazing. Yeah, but you'd have to pay that out of your pocket first. Oh, well, yeah, I know. Well, we'll get Mike <laughs> to do that. Yay, Mike. <laughs> what? what? Wow. What? <laughs> You're really hungover. No, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, Yolanda, you, just, you mentioned that you have a site. So, if people wanted to find it, where can they go? Just enter AsiaEscapeGame.com. And, and do you, you do blog posts there or is it a forum? I post like every one to two months. <laughs> <laughs> Blogging is hard. It is. <laughs> I really admire escape room artists, uh, David and Lisa. They are really. Yes, they have a schedule now. Yeah, I mostly play uh, post about the game review I play in Asia because I think um, it's very seldom seen for the East, uh, Western country because most of the game in Asia is in Chinese or Japanese or other languages. So it's really hard for uh, you guys to search about the games review in Asia. So most of the time I will uh, post about these kind of articles. And uh, I have posted a lot of like uh, market and the industry analysis on my site. But it was last year I do some research, so I just um, post these articles on on, on on my site. But I didn't update them <laughs> because um, there are a little difference to the market, and I hope I can update them like. Before this summer, <laughs> so everyone can know more about the Asia industry from my site. So here in North America, there are a number of people who are influential in the escape room industry. Like, as you said, room escape artists, David and Lisa, because they post an awful lot and they're very public and they are known amongst the owners and as well as amongst enthusiasts. So a lot of people are aware of them and they help probably influence the industry are there similar people in asia it's hard for us to know who they would be mainly because it's in a completely different language and my only as i said exposure to people in in asia just seems to be k-pop groups doing them on tv (laughs) you're such a bts fan (laughs) i think not um I think not many of them. I only know some guys in Singapore and Malaysia. Uh, they wrote, they also write game reviews, but not many like industry analysis or market trends. Something, some articles like that. So, 
I think that's what that's one of the reason I want to do this site because no one is doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> Especially since you Asia is more mature, or at least Japan, that I'm I'm surprised that more people aren't talking about it or if there are people, you know, trying to analyze it, trying to see what what it's like out there. Huh. Yeah, I think mainly because uh, the market is kind of closed due to the language. So like Japanese company want to go to other countries, but Scrap only did it and didn't very success. So they might they can just stay in China, Japanese, Japan. But uh, and for China, it, their market is so big. Just just doing business in China will be enough. So they don't really want to like explore other market in other Asian country. So I think that's the reason they just don't have like this kind of blogger or influential people to talk about the overall market in Asian. I know scrap. I know scrap here, as we mentioned earlier, are closing down their games. I mean, I don't want to spread more rumors because I don't know a hundred percent sure. Do you know more about that, Mike? Are they also closing in California, or are they still going strong? I I only know about Toronto. Yeah, oh, they okay. are. They they've sent an email out saying that all their scrap properties are closing down. But they're still doing large scale escape events. They're just not doing their rooms. Are Is that they? It? I I don't know. No, I, I, I thought I I haven't heard about that. Oh, no. okay. Yeah. Okay, because I know they're closing down their rooms. So here, for example, they did the Escape the Mysterious Rooms and mm-hmm. the Time Travel Lab, but those are, are gone now. Mm-hmm. And I thought they they are only going to do the one-off escape events that they normally do, because those probably might be even more profitable the for large, them, large-scale large uh, large. events. But I feel like those aren't very popular now, right? Well, no, they aren't. Yeah. <laughs> But they're all, they might be the more profitable ones because you just need a table, paper and pens and signs on a wall. So. <laughs> Not that you're judging. <laughs> it's the same thing with us, Yolanda. We went to a scrap game and we thought to ourselves, we could do this better. And so we, we did stuff. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with us today, Yolanda. I know Manda likes to like go off on tangents and talks on and on and rambles, so we do apologize for her. <laughs> that was sarcasm, man. Pans. I'm really talking about myself. I, oh, You're looking hurt there. Oh, oh like yeah, I I'm super you. Just hurt. Just kept going on and on about BTS. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the worst. <laughs> you don't even know who BTS is. I don't. I'm not a true fan. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm very glad to have the my first podcast with you guys too. We're excited that you were able to come on, huzzah! Thank you so much for joining us. And now, man, pans, do you want to like talk about future episodes? Future episodes? Yeah, we've never done that. But no, I I'd put you on the spot. Okay, well, it's, <laughs> I also have a grand old time this morning. Isn't I know it's he? the morning. I know you're I think actually I have more energy. In the you're morning. actually extra trolly in the morning. Oh, Every time we walk to the subway, it's like, <laughs> and then at the end of the day, you're like, hey, you just make some comment about loving your wife twenty times, and that's about the extent of it. Nobody wants. To morning, Errol, though, is very energetic and ready to rip somebody apart. My family. Oh left, man, though it's. Yeah. Bachelor week for me. Bachelor week. For the six of Yolanda, take us out, man pants. Yeah, thank you again, Yolanda. Um, okay. 
Room Escape Divas. Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also go to... Wow, you are hungover. <laughs> you can also email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com or you can go to Facebook and click the like button. And if you go to Twitter, you can use the hashtag redivas and mention escape rooms because Errol will find it somehow. Okay. Oh, okay. I think Errol's just trying to freak me out with his phone, but he's just sounding like a hyperactive kid. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.